Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica Studios, joined now by host of TC Live, dual threat tennis and football, back again for our yearly, hopefully not that long next time, <laughs> podcast. It's Steve Weissman. Steve, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Uh, yeah, I was going back through our text messages, and it, and it looked like the last time you sent me a message was July 25th, 2021. So uh, yeah, yeah. yearly inside in. Uh, pleasure always to join you, and uh, maybe we can make it biannual. Yeah, yeah, totally unplanned, <laughs> lacking on my part. Um, but no, we talk about it like, you know, doing your football work and tennis and, and how both networks, especially out here, have just been growing. And I know your life's not gotten any slower. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, right when I got back from Wimbledon, I think I got back on a Monday. I was at NFL Network on Wednesday, um, worked that week there, then, you know, back here for uh, the Atlanta week. Um, and then next week, I'm back at NFL Network, uh, a lot of training camp stuff to cover. And then I'm back here for Canada, Cincinnati, and, you know, obviously leading up and then doing the U.S. Open, we're doing a big, you know, TC Live for yeah. the U.S. Open for two weeks. So, um, yeah, it, it's awesome. I, I you know, I'm, I'm living the dream, best of both worlds um, and, and get to do a little bit of everything. Well, no one was in a better position now twice talking to the Chargers coach, Brandon Staley. Yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> I mean, which is crazy, too, uh, a football coach that loves tennis was at the event and you're the perfect guy to interview him. So that's twice now. Twice. It's, it's our, you know, I guess biannual meeting with uh, Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, him and his uh, wonderful wife, Amy, were out at Wimbledon. Um, Brandon's a huge Rafa fan. Yeah. So he, he met Rafa at Indian Wells and he actually got to see Rafa practice at Wimbledon. And, you know, just to be able to see how, a genius in their sport goes about yeah. their business and how also he wanted to see how Rafa's coaches uh, dealt with him because he's got somebody in Justin Herbert and uh, Derwin James on defense. But, you know, Herbert, who is this genius quarterback that does everything to perfection, kind of like Nadal does yeah. and sees everything differently. So, I mean, he was telling me, you know, you can watch him do a practice and be like, oh, wow, just great job. Like, and he's like, eh, actually, I wish I had done this or this better. So he picked up some great, um, you know, pointers on how to coach Justin better. And I, I just think Brandon's a, a really smart guy and, and obviously loves tennis and he gets up at like 6 a.m to hit during during the season which yeah. is awesome um but uh you know to be able to to go to other sports and see world-class athletes perform and then bring that back to your team uh yeah. i think is really smart and and super cool so yeah i was uh it, it was it was cool and then you know now hopefully we're gonna get on the court at some point yeah. and um gonna get to charges training camp and because i've got some other friends that work there as well yeah. so um yeah, uh, that guy's awesome. <laughs> well, that was huge. And it's huge to see him go from being just the fan like a lot of us are to now what can I learn from this guy and apply to my field. So, yeah, no, that was great. He was also, I mean, he was super pumped to meet Martina because yeah. his mom was like a huge Martina fan. And so it was, it was a little bit of, you know, fanboy as well. You know, it was yeah, kind of yeah. like because you've got these 
it's you know if if I yeah, if somebody met Tom Brady right and yeah. but I mean and I don't even think that's Martinez like Martina Navratilova is such a such a goat um, yeah. Yeah. you know so anytime you're in her presence and I'm yeah, so thankful that I get to actually work with her be friends with her hang out with her but um, is is a special time because you're learning from you know once again another one of these athletic one of ones absolutely. Uh, Steve, as we kind of get into the start of the summer hardcore swing, I mean, Atlanta is the first real stop for the men. We got some clay events still going on, but the Atlanta Open's got everybody's attention. There's been some impressive matches and storylines. I'm going to start with that Isner Shelton match last night. I was glued to my TV screen watching that and the, the old veteran hanging on against the young up and comer. But you have that match, you have all these young Americans making headway. It's an interesting time for men's American tennis, as you guys alluded to on the show, 11 in the top 60 and different generations kind of jockeying for position. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, I guess in the live rankings as of today, because J.J. Wolf snuck into the top 100 at 99, we've got 14 mm. Americans in the top 100. And you've got, you know, Taylor Fritz, who's the number one ranked American, right on the verge of the top 10. I think he's going to make the top 10, yeah. and I think he's going to win a Grand Slam. I mean, he, he's checking off boxes this year winning obviously a Masters 1000 but before that was getting to a Masters 1000 final and, and doing that at, at Indian Wells and then making Grand Slam quarterfinal and, and doing these things that he's a guy that is competitive next level and has all the tools to do it obviously with with adding uh, Mike Russell I think has been an amazing job as coach and then you've got our guy Paul Anacone uh -huh. as well that's just such a incredible tandem of, of tennis knowledge. And so, um, and his competitive spirit is, is unrivaled. So it's, uh, it's cool to see. Um, and then, you know, John Isner, who, who's still at the top of his game said last night that he, you know, he beat Ben Shelton, but Ben was the better player. It's pretty exciting to see, you know, a 19 year old who spent a couple of years in college. You know, I'm a big, I'm a huge college tennis yeah, yeah. Uh, guy coached at, at LMU for a couple of years for the women. And, um, and, you know, I've, so I've followed Ben for a while and obviously his, his dad was a top 55 player in the world. And to see him as a freshman clinch the team title. So when you go to college, <laughs> I believe the team title is more important than the individual title. You want to sure. be a part. Yeah. Uh, you want to win that natty, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. Jen Brady yeah. won the natty. It wasn't individual, but right. she'll talk right. to the end of the world about winning it as a team. And that that's why you go to college for that atmosphere. So he clinches it as a freshman and then as a sophomore cleans yeah. up the individual. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether he's going to go pro or not. In my opinion, yes. You know, seeing the level that he showed in yeah. Atlanta, this kid's got it. And Chris Eubanks, who works with us sometimes, and I think is such a smart tennis mind, a great player as well. But, um, you know, he's been hyping up Ben, saying that that this guy is legit. And obviously he's got the genes, but he also has the lefty serve. I mean, he, he grew from freshman to sophomore. He kind of made like a Carlitos move, right? So from 18 to 19, yeah. Alcaraz became a man. And I think from freshman to sophomore year, yeah. Ben Shelton became a man. And that serve... I mean, he's bombing serves. He's got that lefty kick right. that I don't think a lot of players are used to seeing a kick no. like that from a six foot three lefty. So I'm excited about him. What I liked the most too, hearing his dad Brian talk, he referenced a, a top player in his own right. He didn't come through the traditional tennis circles. He was a football player growing up, and then got into tennis late. Kind of developed other athletic skills. I'm with it. I mean, he he looks a lot different than I remember him seeing <laughs> as that freshman winning the title. And there's a lot of power there and. I don't want to say no-brainer, but he looks like a pro right now. 
He does. And he, listen, I don't want to just yeah. hype up a 19-year-old yeah. who, who's in college because he's he's great, and I, and yeah. I don't want to put these expectations on him right. when we've got guys like Taylor Fritz, mm-hmm. Riley Opelka, Tommy Paul, who's made he's incredible one. strides. Yeah, yeah. He's another one, and, and I'm with you 100%. Fritz is the guy right now most consistent across the board, most likely for success. But I think it was Jimmy Arias who said it. Like, there's opportunities, depending on how the draw breaks, matchups break down. A lot of these guys, Paul, Tiafo, we'll see how he, he looks. But Brooksby. Paul, Brooksby's another one. Paul's really found that consistency. He I, has. I feel like that's been the difference. I know he lost this week, but he's finding a way to be more efficient in these matches. We all knew about the shot making, but he's winning with you know ease more often now. And I think he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah. And, and in tennis, it comes down really to, to physicality and who is going to be able to last at, at Wimbledon. It was his first, you know, debut in the main draw there at Wimbledon, which was huge for him because that, he told us, was the tournament he grew up, you know, loving more than any other one. And to make that run yeah. there was really special for him. Uh, and then I've been watching those videos that him and his trainer have been putting out on Instagram, and the kid is in elite-level shape. Yeah. And you get an elite athlete like Tommy. He's always been a great athlete, mm-hmm. but maybe not as committed. Now you get a, the commitment on the level of the training off court. And then, of course, Brad Stein is killing oh, it with yeah. the coaching. Yeah. And now you're seeing those results. I mean, uh, close to his career high, about to break into the top 30. I don't see any real weaknesses no. in his game. So I think there's a lot of upside. I, I don't see why Tommy Paul can't be a top 15 player. Some of these coaching hires are some of the big moves, maybe. You talk about Taylor's coaches and, and Paul's as well. I love how the, the American men are all different players, too. Sebastian Corda is a little different. Big shot making, we know, on both sides. Opelka with his serve. Uh, it, there, there's a lot to like, and we'll see who the opportunities there is. We'll get to, like, the big three are, you know, in limbo in different areas and different ways. There's going to be opportunities to make, make a move this summer into the U.S. Open. There will. I, I still think the big three, and right now it's the big two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, own the majors. And, and that's what we've seen from, from yeah. Nadal and Djokovic this year. I mean, yeah. I mean, what Rafa did this year is, is out of this world. What Novak did at Wimbledon is absolutely remarkable. I hope we see him mm-hmm. in New York. I don't know that we will. If not that, then Australia. I mean, for somebody who, in my opinion, should be one or two in the world, if you could put, you could make a big case that Rafa is the number one player in the world right now. I know he's not in the rankings, right. but um, what he's done this year and maybe by the end of the year, I mean, obviously in the race he is. So, um, you know, for for somebody that's one or two, not to be able to play a major until Paris next year would be a disaster. Yeah, it would be. I think that that all contributes to why I think this U.S. Open is so fascinating to me because we don't know if Djokovic is going to be there, Nadal, what his state's going to be. Uh, and then a guy that we should get to, Carlos Alcaraz, won his 41st match of the year today. 41-6 and six as a teenager. <laughs> pretty remarkable season. I was looking at his, at his stats. All the losses are to good players. Like, he just handles business. He does. I mean, he's next level. And he's still the thing, and we've talked about these teenagers before on the women's side with Coco Goff or, you know, Emma Raducanu or, you know, anyone that's uh, Amanda Anna Samova uh-huh. when she was a teenager, still so young. Um, still 20 years old. So I, I give a lot of empathy and I try not to make uh, overt predictions because, like I said, heading into Wimbledon, would it surprise me or even Roland Garros? I said, would it surprise me if Carlos Alcaraz won? No. Would it surprise me if he didn't make the second week? No. 
because these are all yeah. first things that he's doing. Right. I mean, this is the first time he's defending a title in Umag. This was his first ever title last year. That's a new type of pressure that right now he is yeah. succeeding in. Um, but if, if he doesn't make the second week of the U.S. Open, would I be shocked? No, because he's 19 years old. Now, if he won it, would <laughs> I be shocked? No, because his talent is next level. His physicality is next level. And as you said, I mean, 41 wins already, four titles, winning at the biggest level against the biggest players. He does not back down. But once again, three to five, yeah. seven matches, two weeks. It's a different animal. And the big two own it this year. <laughs> they do. They, they do. Uh, and just his major losses, Berrettini in five. He almost came back and won. Uh, Zverev at the French, which was a great match, top and bottom. And Sinner played probably the match of his life at Wimbledon. And we forget about him. That's, like, I feel like you know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's all Alcaraz. And then, this, you know, exactly. Yannick Sinner's in the top 10. He's only 20. Well, I think we're going to get to a point where a guy like a guys like Fritz, Sinner, Alcaraz get to that major sh sharing. I know there's other names we haven't mentioned, but it's going to be impossible to have the stranglehold that the big three, now big two have on tennis majors. I think we're going to get to more of a, you know, Everybody kind of shares a little bit. We get so excited, Mitch, about the teenagers that I feel yeah. because I don't think that Tsitsipas, Zverev, teams won a major. Felix, Felix, yeah. like we're we're passing them over, like like they're older, like yeah. like they're the the Raonic, uh, Nishikori, Dimitrov. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that Zverev is going to win majors. I think Tsitsipas is going to win majors. And Felix is, is really around the same age as as the guys we're talking about. He's yeah. still so young, so I think he wins majors. So I don't think it's going to be like a big three. I think it's going to be more evenly dispersed once Djokovic and Nadal <laughs> decide to, yeah, to stop crazy. winning these things. And who knows? I mean, like, I, I still don't put anything past Roger Federer. No. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Steve Weissman here on Tennis Channel. And Inside in. I uh, want to switch to the women for a little bit now. Igis Viantek returned to the clay actually this week. Uh, won a match, lost a match to Caroline Garcia. I, I, you talked about expectations. It's almost like she's become a prisoner of what she's created. Like a loss is like this horrible thing now. Caroline Garcia is a great player. I think a lot of people, ourselves included, might read too much into any ego loss going forward now. Yeah, I mean, when you're, what, 48 and 6? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Alcaraz. Yeah. We're, we're approaching 50 wins for Iga, and it's unrealistic because she won 37 matches in a row. She was going to lose at some point. Yeah. I mean, this was a streak that was the longest since 2000. Yeah. I mean, this dates back. So doing historic things, winning six titles, winning Roland Garros again. Um, and then she had the 18-match clay court win streak that dated back to Roland Garros 2021 when she lost to Sakari. So she was going to lose eventually. And it, it once another thing, entering this year, Sviantek hadn't made it past the fourth round at the Australian Open, Wimbledon, or the U.S. Open. Australia, she gets to the semifinals, loses a pretty convincingly to mm -hmm. Danielle Collins. Uh, Wimbledon actually loses earlier, lost in the third round at Wimbledon. So still hasn't been past the fourth round there. Obviously, she's great on clay. So today's loss surprised me more than any of her other losses this year. Yeah. Because I know Caroline Garcia is a former top four player, and she's won 16 of her last 19 matches. Still, I really think 
this is Iga's match, not Garcia's. Mm-hmm. That That's the only surprising loss this year for me. But on hard courts, never been past the fourth round of the U.S. Open. So for her to be such a heavy favorite heading into New York, I get it. She's number one in the world by far, and 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 she has these win streaks and is an amazing player, but she's still only 21 years right. old. <laughs> right. You know, we forget about that. And, and she's doing things like all these others for the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really impressive and she's legit, but, uh, you know, never been past the fourth round there. I think part of the reason, the, the two biggest things that I see why she's such a big favorite is the Indian Wells Miami run on hard courts were just, I mean, to win the sunshine double, regardless, that's an insane accomplishment. And there's still the absence of a number two, so to speak. So who's going to be pushing up for it? Like, if you're not going to make her the favorite, then we have to figure out who gets some of that recognition. Well, it's more about, yeah. I, for me, it's the field. Okay. So I'm yeah. just taking the field. Okay. I'm not taking her. Yeah. Right? So it could be anybody. She mm-hmm. lost to Garcia today. Would you? Yeah. That yeah. could, a, a Caroline Garcia could beat her in New York. True. I don't know whoever that is, but, and I'm not, you know, Serena's going to be there. I never count her out either, but can a Bedosa, can a Sakari, can a Coco Goff? You know, she's gotten really close. Yeah. Why not? Can Amanda Anasimova, I, I told her at the beginning of the year, it's going to be your best year yet. You're going to be getting big trophies. She started out, she got a trophy, had, you know, a, a, a letdown with, with Darren Cahill leaving the team right. at Indian Wells. Had to overcome that, which I thought was huge mentally for her to be able to do that and still make a deep run at Wimbledon, uh, her best result yeah. there. And, and I think she could win the U.S. Open. She's a former junior champ there. So uh, there's a lot of players that I think could win. So for me, I'm just taking the field. Coco is so close too. She just needs to fix a few. Th- I mean, we know the forehand issues and get kind of to where she needs to be there. Um, that said, two, two names you didn't say. One in particular, uh, Bianca Andreescu's return to hard courts. She's always been that like enigma on tour because we, when we see her play, she wins. Yeah. But when do we see her? You know, and, we'll, and she <laughs> says she's healthy, and we'll see if she can make a run. I know. I'm a big BB fan, yeah. and you're right. Whenever she plays, she generally wins. The issue is that she usually wins in three sets. There's not a lot of ego wins. So we showed yeah. a stat today <laughs> yeah. on TC Live where before today, 52% of the sets that ego won was by 6-love, six 6-1, six or 6-2. Six that's insane. That's insane. I'm just thinking of that soccer match last year at the U.S. Open. What was that, like three and a half hours? <laughs> right. And and th- so, you know, Bianca plays these long, yeah. drawn-out matches where yeah. she comes out on top, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, that's tough on the body. And and she's, you know, she's been open about dealing with, with uh, you know, mental health as well as, you know, some physical things. But I'm always excited. I, I think she's one of the most fun players yeah. to watch. We had that segment on TC Live today for the American men. But I, I think Bianca is a delight to watch. Uh, her competitive spirit is second to none. And listen, if she's healthy, certainly. Why not? I, uh, I think that this time of year, especially on the WTA side, you look at the U.S. Open champs, it's almost like it's like a star-making tournament. Like a lot of them are winning their first majors there. But I do think there's something to having momentum at the summer hardcore lead-ups. When Sloan won, she had a good run there. Andrescu won Canada. So I'm curious. That's why I love that all these big names are playing. But I do think you have to kind of hit the ground running to gain that momentum. It's not just going to necessarily, I guess, Raducanu. Raducanu. Such, <laughs> I mean, Emma geez, came out of nowhere. That is never going to happen again. <laughs> I mean, when, when through qualifiers, don't drop a set. That, that's why again. it's so wide open yeah. and literally – Anybody can come through. And by the way, we haven't mentioned Naomi Osaka. Yeah. Who's a two-time champ there and former number one in the world. And if she's committed and physically fit and re- 
why, why should why should anybody be beating her? Right. <laughs> I I almost feel like the way these draws work, you just have to survive the first week because it, it you get to the final the the fourth round, let's say, and then it's okay. Now we we've, we've cut it in half. You just got to get to the final. So. Um, I think you, you hit a bunch of names. Naomi Osaka, if she's locked in, I mean, her apex is still probably She the should best be number one, yeah. right? Yeah, like her A game is the best A game. But will we see it? I don't know. Right. That, I mean, it it's actually makes it really fun. And I think, it, you know, people say, oh, so-and-so isn't going to be playing this one or so-and-so isn't going to be playing that one. There are always amazing stories yeah. at these events. And it doesn't have to be a major. It can be yeah. Canada. It can be Atlanta this week. It can be anything. But um, big stories come... And new names come about, and you know Emma Raducanu is a is a perfect example of that. We'll see what what happens this yeah. year. Um, well, I do I do want to ask you about working with uh, Tersonoff now. Yeah, I, I think it's you know I was talking to, to Tracy Austin about this the other day, and in our era, so you know the Federer, the Nadal, the Djokovic, and then on the women's side, you know Venus and Serena, who just dominated for two decades. Yeah. I think there was a lot of consistency in their coaching. So Djokovic, for a long time, not now, but forever, had Marion Vida. Now, other people, Boris came mm-hmm. in, Goran came in, but Marion Vida was there the whole yeah, time. Yeah. For Federer, Severin Luti. Mm-hmm. Always been there. Mm-hmm. Others, Stefan Edberg came in, Paul Anacone came in, right? Like, yeah. folks come in, but Severin's always been there. For Rafa, Uncle Tony, he can call Uncle Tony still, but he was always there, and Carlos right. Moya's been there forever. Um, Roy has been there forever. And for Serena, she had Patrick. For a decade, Venus had uh, David Witt for over a decade. And so I think if you want to be that generational type superstar, consistency in the coaching is a part of that. I I don't see anybody who's doing these flip-flop coaches that are generational players. They might be Hall of Famers because they win two to three Grand Slams, but I don't think they're Williams sisters. I don't think they're big three in terms of of that stability. I, I just think you need that. And so I don't know if it's going to last or not. I hope it, I hope it works out for her because other coaches have not, yeah. um, whatever gets her back to that level. But once again, my expectations for a 19 year old Emma Raducanu are not high. What she did last year, you said it, nobody's <laughs> ever done it. Right. Somebody may never do it again. She hasn't, you know, she's adjusting to a whole new world. And if she doesn't win another, you know, tournament, much less major for two or three years. So right. what? Right. It was Pam Shriver that actually told me that she thinks it, she'll be, the ranking's going to slip. She'll have two tougher years, and then she'll get on track. She'll be 21, 22. And, you know, yeah, and you're, I, I totally you're agree with that. There. But I do think, I agree with what you said. Having that consistent voice in the room, someone that watches you practice, watches you play, can really break down your game is huge because that might be the difference. Having a new, you could be the greatest coaches in the world, but if it's a new face that's not familiar with you, I don't know that's going to you know have the same success. It's, it's a trust factor, and I think you really need that at this level. Yeah. So whether you bring in that second voice to take you over the top, that, that kind of person who's won a Grand Slam in mm-hmm. the past and can give you that yeah. little, little edge at the very top of the game. Yeah. Um, but I think that trust uh, day in, day out, you're, I mean, you're traveling with this person, yeah. you're eating most meals with this person, yeah. you're you know playing cards with the, you know, all that stuff. If you keep changing that two times a year yeah. or more to or me, the, that the team idea of coaches, it's, it's, I haven't heard a tennis player, a tennis lifer say that that was a good idea. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, because it's all about the individual. Yeah. I mean, this is and that's why, you know, they make these decisions, but uh, always, you know, looking to get ahead. But, I, you know, I, I don't see it long term being a successful proposition to constantly change coaches. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we wrap up here on Tennis Channel Inside I just want to ask you a few more things about the current <laughs> state of what's going on. Unfortunately, there was no Nick Kyrgios in that way. Yeah. I found out right before. Doubles. We got Dub- him in doubles. Him in still doubles. in. We did. We do <laughs> have him in doubles. But Grand Slam champion. We'd love to see Nick build on his Wimbledon success. Unfortunately, these injury things, you just don't know. I do know, though, that there's one guy that could just show up and play and dominate. It's probably him. I guess we'll see. It, it, it looks good on the outside that he's committed and then he's putting time in, posting the workout videos. But I guess, like they all say, only time will tell. So we'll see. It's, it's exciting that he's a part of the conversation yeah. because I don't think he was a part of the conversation for a while. And he's box office. That uh-huh. you know, I, I was upset that we weren't airing his doubles match the other night. There was no TV on it. And... I was like, why? And this is an ATP. To say, this is nothing to do yeah, with Tennis yeah. Channel. Yeah. Uh, they just don't air doubles at 250s. I'm like, mm-hmm. but if you have Nick Kyrgios, you're going to get people watching. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I want to see. I want to see whenever he is on the court because I don't know what's coming up next. I know the talent level is to the max. And, you know, it's entertaining to me. So, um, you know, we got to talk to him a couple times at Wimbledon. He's so open and honest. I mean, he literally told John and I, that he's so invested in the Boston Celtics. <laughs> and yeah. when they lose, you know, in overtime, a tough loss, he will tank matches the next That's, day. I mean, gamblers <laughs> heard that. But it's just, you know, yeah. So now it's out in the ethos now. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and, and the Wimbledon run was great. What I loved about it was he made Djokovic play Djokovic-level tennis to beat him. There mm-hmm. was no real dip. It was he brought his level, and Djokovic had to kind of rise above, which he did. So it was great to see him put it together for a run to the final. And he's in the conversation because we know what he could do. It's just a matter of, okay, don't rest on that. Now let's keep it going. Which he said after, which was kind of interesting to me. If he had won, he would have been less motivated. I I understand that concept. uh, I I don't You're just going to drop the mic and be done? I feel (laughs) like if you, not not that I would agree with it, obviously. But (laughs) if you win a major, then it's like I have a major in my trophy case like the rest of your life. Don't you want to be a Hall of Famer now? Don't you want to be number one? Don't you want to check off all these other boxes? That's a a great question. Um, but no, I mean, it's, and, and he's somebody that like, it's like I joked about it earlier, but he played Australia this year, like out of shape and almost and pushed Mevit up to four plus sets. No, he's <laughs> so, that, it, you know. which is tough. Like, because he needs to be able to bring it for seven matches. Yeah. And that, that's the hardest part of, of winning these slams is three out of five yeah. for somebody who's not in the, you know, tip top shape is, is not, not yeah. going to work. Now he's in better shape yes. and you know, he's keeping his, his body in order. He's not going out, like he said, to the dog and fox and, and <laughs> drinking all night. You know, yeah. he's actually doing the right things and getting sleep. And, and that's huge, you know, yeah. because, you know, the, the time is shrinking, but he's still got plenty of time. Well, he's in the mix, which is all we can hope for. So it's another, another wild card to, to look at. Uh, somebody who's on the comeback trail that's starting to build on it, Dominic team, starting to kind of get some better results, which is good. 
We talked about all the losses he had, but starting to show signs now, making quarterfinals and two ATP events back-to-back. I love to see it. He's such a nice guy. He worked with us on TC Live, uh, un- the U.S. Actually, Open last un- year. He was like an underratedly really good TV guy. Yeah, like, his anal- he right? picked Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, like, he was like, we said on day yeah. one of the U.S. Open TC Live, who's your dark horse at yeah. the U.S. Alcaraz. And what does he do? He makes the second he week. He really, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I didn't see it coming or what, but he was really good on TV. He was fantastic. Yeah. He's got that distinctive voice. Um, he's also, like, super open and honest. And uh, one of those guys that even before that, whenever we would have him on a set in Paris or, you know, wherever I was, he would just stay there. He's yeah. not itching to get out of there. Yeah. If you interview him for 10 minutes, great. If if you have to like talk for 20 minutes because there's a point going on and you can't, you know, do the interview live yet. He's awesome. No, no worries at all. Just a super down to earth guy. So I was really happy to see, and I'm happy to see him getting some results, three straight quarterfinals after losing 10 matches in a row. Um, You know, the wrist is a really tough injury for tennis players. We've seen it time and time again. So I hope he is over, you know, over the hump on that. And the fact that, you know, his, He's getting that speed back on both sides because that backhand is is amazing. It's the fastest one-hander. Well, maybe Stan Wawrinka, but, yeah. you know, right yeah. up there in terms of speeds. And the forehand's wicked. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. And he's a former champion, right? He so he's, he, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's never going to get that off the resume. I know. And I ju- we just want to see him play and bring it at that high level, which we know he can. But I agree. The wrist is such a serious thing. you got to be cautious with it. Uh, last couple things here, Steve. How much of um, how much of a like fanboy moment did you have when they announced all four of the big four on Team Europe at the Labor Cup? I mean, <laughs> I, I just think it's the coolest. Um, kind of, I mean, I had a moment like that yeah, too. Like, I, I think it, it's amazing. You know. I, when I I think I ca- I called the first ever Labor Cup, and it was me and Paul Anacone, and we called the when Rafa and Roger played doubles together. Uh-huh, yeah, and I'll never forget it. I thought yeah. I thought you know that was a moment in tennis that you know. Had never happened, may happen once again, or who knows. Um, but to have all four of those guys in this generation that, you know, we have been so blessed and lucky to witness that may never happen again. I think somebody's going to win more than 22 majors at some point, but to have four guys that have been number one. Yeah. And, and I mean, what Andy was able to do in 2016 is remarkable to do that in the era of Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, but to all be under the same roof playing together. And I was just, the first thing to me was like, I just want to see all the doubles. I want to see them all play together. Yeah. So I want to see Fed and Nadal. I want to see, you know, Djokovic and Nadal, Murray and Fed. I mean, like, I just yeah. want to see them all play doubles together. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's exciting. And it, it is just to see them all repping the same team as teammates. That's, you know, they play doubles, but to see Rafa and Roger going crazy for the other's match was... Which is another reason, because I I think John Wertheim tweeted the other day, oh, should we change the format? Because Team Europe has been crushing Team World. Absolutely not. I don't want to see two captains just picking teams. Like, I'm invested in Team World from the U.S. I want to see us, like, be better and win. And I think 10 years from now, it could be completely flip-flopped in terms of who has the best players in the world. But also, we wouldn't get the big four on the same team. I know. That's... Right? Like, the, the format's fine. Just Team World needs to step it up. I mean, yeah, just bring it at a higher <laughs> level. Um, well, hey, the last thing, last thing, the uh, crossover appeal, we always talk about tennis and other things. Did you ever think there'd be a more different pairing than Casper Rouge and Shania Twain at the trophy ceremony in Gestad? 
Uh, I guess she's a big fan. Uh, and, a, and a house in the Alps, apparently, <laughs> which I had no idea. I had no idea either. After that, I, li- I checked her yeah. Instagram because I was like, huh, is that, is that <laughs> yeah. the real Shania Twain? Yeah. I was like, why haven't we had her on TC Live? Yeah. Like, Shania, if you listen to Mitch's Inside In podcast, yeah. please either join Mitch or, or come to any of our desks yeah. all over the world. Uh, we're big fans. Love your music. Big and- Canadian tennis boom right now. I know she's a proud Oh, Canadian. so that's the thing. So I was like, yeah. who does she follow? So... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. she follows Jeannie. She follows Bianca. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that she followed Layla. Okay. And I think she follows Felix and Dennis. Okay. So I was like, all right, so she is invested yeah. in Canadian tennis. I'll have to check again. I hope she has since followed Layla. But, okay, hope so uh, too. And they, I noticed <laughs> that it's like the, all the Canadian, especially the athletes and performers, they all stick together. You know, I saw Wayne Gretzky on court two watching Milos play back in the day. Like, and he was just, watching Shapovalov you know, yeah, when like, he made that run yeah. back in the day they in all Montreal. Just, they all just stick together. So good know. people, those yeah. Canadians. But no, that was uh, <laughs> that was quite a visual and good for Casper winning a trophy, getting that photo off. Just <laughs> French Open final. It's going to be a heck of a year for him. Well, Steve, this was a pleasure. I know that at none of your contracts, they'll have to write in any uh, film. You know, requirements. You have to break down film to do it. <laughs> not for me. Not, not for me. Yeah. Uh, and they took that away from Kyler. Yeah, so yeah. very strange situation there. Yeah. Uh, and the, the damage has been done, Mitch, in my opinion, <laughs> that they had that in there and then they took it away. Um, but yeah. they gave him a ton of money. So <laughs> hey, you don't hey. give yeah four hours. Listen, I, I do more than four hours of prep every week for TC Live. <laughs> Let's just have that on the record right yeah, now. Absolutely. It's, it might be four hours for each show during the u.s open because wow. i think we're doing two hour shows that may be wow. breaking news but so there you go but that's the thing like you would you do the work if someone was going to offer you more money to do more work you'd probably do it in a heartbeat and that's you know yeah i mean and that's 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 give me that guy contract. get me mitch get me that 300 million dollar contract <laughs> with 160 guaranteed and let's roll <laughs> yeah, absolutely steve pleasure as always thanks for joining the show Thanks for having me. I was Steve Weissman on Tennis Channel Inside Name. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for this and all the other shows in our catalog. We will be back next week as the road to the U.S. Open continues on. The summer hardcourt swing is in North America. You're not going to want to miss it. For Steve Weissman, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside And Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.